Hello and welcome to Deep Thought Shallow Plots. My name is Erica, and I really like to watch horror movies. My name is Katie, and I really like to overanalyze things. Katie, what horror movie are we overanalyzing today? Today it is Ju-On, colon, The Grudge. <laughs> uh, the original 2002 Japanese language film. Yes. Not to be confused with the 2004 English language they version. They turned that out quick. And also not to be confused with the many the other films, films that came first in the Ju-On and the like, timeline. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think first we, theatrical release. The I believe, theatri- this is. Yeah, the, yes, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, but I also just kind of feel like somebody who's you know into this kind of thing would hear Ju-On and be like, yeah, the Grudge. Yeah. yeah. I think we should probably just start. This is like our first non-English language film. Yeah. Which is super cool. And we always try to do our best with pronunciations. Yeah. But we have a little bit of an advantage because you took Japanese. All four years of high school. Yes. Which Keeping was in mind, a hot that minute was ago. <laughs> like over 10 years ago. Right. But and I did. I did take Japanese one. Yeah. So basically what I have, the, I think the biggest thing I got from that is correct pronunciation. Yeah. Like that's More what I have less. to offer. And I know a couple words. Like I remember ongaku is music. Yeah. Um, I remember random yeah. songs that we learned. Of like, course, yeah. Ohayo, oyasumi. Chotomate, kudasai, kudasai. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I can like introduce myself and uh, yeah, I can say, wait wait a minute, yeah. chotomate. Every time in yeah. the in the movie when they were like, moshi moshi, I was like, oh, I know that. I remember moshi moshi, <laughs> yep. So we're going to do our best. And honestly, actually, as I talk about um, the, the effect and functions of ghosts throughout the world, um, there's going to be some pronunciation <laughs> things. So, I mean, pronunciation uh, has notoriously never been our strong suit. I, so. I mean, I feel like we always do our personal best, and that's all we can really, yeah, we can really do. Yes. So already not in English, so kind of adds like a layer of complexity, at least for me, mm-hmm. to like kind of be able to really understand it and to overanalyze it. Yeah. Um, but then we add the the added layer of it of the storytelling being nonlinear. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually really like the. Um, the nonlinear storytelling. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Nonlinear storytelling is so much fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think they do it really well. Especially, I mean, we'll talk more about specific characters, but especially with the um, Toyama and Izumi. Oh, I love yeah. how their stories work out. Oh, with the yeah. nonlinear part. Should we jump into the characters then? Um, the characters in this film? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way they split up the movie is sort of like by the characters, sort of like these vignettes, yes. kind yeah. of, yeah, that are all intertwined, and some come before and some come after, and you kind of have to piece it together. Right. Yeah. But we do start with Rika. Yes. Um, who is our volunteer yes. social support worker. Social worker. So I was thinking, I was like kind of looking into it a little bit more because in the the um, subtitles, the English subtitles, it says like social worker, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, a social worker performs a very specific function. Right. Um, and then what I was, I was watching the movie and as well as the 2004 American English language remake that maybe social worker isn't a great translation. She's basically like more of like a volunteer carer. Like yeah. she provides care, yeah, which is not to me necessarily what social workers do. Yeah. And honestly, not necessarily what the department she works for seems to do much of either. I mean, it's right. what their mission is, but I don't know. I have I have some complaints to file at that office. Right. It's, it's interesting. Well, and then that just kind of made me want to know more about like how do social services work in Japan? Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, we get introduced to Rika pretty much right off the bat. And she does, I think to me, has a really interesting character introduction. 
Um, like almost immediately we see that she's like in way over her head. Yes, my girl. <laughs> Not necessarily through fault of her own. No, she definitely is doing her best. Yeah. But yeah. they're putting way too much on her. Yeah, because like we find out that she's she's a volunteer. Like this yeah. isn't her job. And that makes me wonder is like, well, then Rika, like she's a supposed yeah. to be like a grown woman. I was like, well, then how does Rika pay her bills? Oh, you know, I don't know. Especially uh, with how much of a time suck this volunteer job ends I up know, becoming. I know, yeah. To say nothing of her time spent being haunted by ghosts. Exactly. <laughs> so she's a she's a volunteer and what what happens is is that the the carer who's supposed to help this family didn't show up to work mm-hmm. for suspicious reasons, maybe? Right, yeah. Did that person already go to the house and not return? So yeah, so in Okay, that's what I thought. In the American remake, they do they make that clear. explicitly establish okay. that. That yeah. was the vibe I got, but yeah. I wasn't sure if it was. So explicit. they want her to go. And Rika's like, I'd rather not. <laughs> I yeah. feel like this is I just kind of like finished my volunteer shift and now you're adding something else onto my plate. Yeah. And then she but she does, right? Um And just honestly comes into a very difficult situation that she really does her best to handle. She really does, yeah. Um, this place is a mess. There's clearly some elder abuse happening. Yeah, there's like really easy to interpret signs of of elder and possibly child abuse. Yeah. yeah. And she's like trying to call her boss like, hey, this seems bad. Like we bad, I, maybe above my pay grade. Yeah. And which is zero dollars, by yeah, the way. Yeah. yeah. And they're basically just like, ah, let's wait it out. <laughs> or I, He's like, do your best. We'll send other people. But yeah. like, just keep. Yeah. Keep and it's like, doing this it. seems like kind of a more urgent situation. Definitely. Like. Right. This woman is like lying in her own filth, this older woman yeah. who like can't really move around herself. The house is a, like a total mess. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like Rika is like ignoring really huge red flags. Well, I don't know. And yeah. I, to me, I almost wonder if it's because like other people, specifically other people in positions of power over her are like telling her to. Right. Because like from the beginning, when she first sees the house, she gets like instant bad vibes right yeah you know like even her instincts are like something's not right here but she just sort of yeah keeps pushing through and pushing through yeah just keeps doing it right yeah and then she she does end up finding what we will later come to realize is a ghost yeah or do we already know that he's a ghost does the audience know that uh toshio is a ghost well we get the beginning because technically the beginning sequence is really honestly horrifying imagery of a man cutting things up and there's blood and there's just there's like suggestion of like and he's like picking at himself like his nails and his skin yeah Yeah. and there's like yeah i mean there's suggestions of you know this child being in a bad place the cat gets grabbed really aggressively like there's suggestions of there being some sort of a domestic abuse situation happening right yeah so i think we can infer Right. So Rika is just off the bat in way over her head. Yeah. And then it ends with her seeing the ghost woman, Kayako. Yeah. um, Attacking, I think, specifically the older woman. Do we ever get the oldest woman's name? Sachi. Sachi? Her name is Sachi. Okay. Sachi. Yeah. We see the spirit, the ghost, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Kind of descending on Sachi. Yeah. And. Rika sees it and kind of goes catatonic. Yeah. She's just kind of left to witness it. Yeah. And then, yeah, becomes kind of catatonic and unresponsive. When other people finally show up. I know. (laughs) But we don't even know that because then we have our flashback 
to what exactly happens to the Tokunaga family and how right. they reach this point. Right. And so then that leads us pretty beautifully into the second little vignette. Yeah. What I think is really interesting, and we've ta- we talked about this off mic, that the second little vignette is named after Katsuya, mm-hmm. who is the husband yes. of Kazumi, yes. the son of Sachi, right? Yeah. Um, and it's named after him, but like overwhelmingly, the f- focus of this vignette is his wife, Kazumi. Yes. Which is interesting to me. I find it so interesting. And I, I think it's, I mean, to me, the obvious parallel is with how we have our main ghost, really, Kayako, who we learn her name. I'm not sure if it's where we first learned her name, but one of the places where we learn her name is when we see a police file about when she was murdered and she's listed just as housewife. Right. You know? Well, that would be her occupation. Yeah. It's just like, she's like 28. She's so young when she died. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a connection there with how, I mean, the franchise in general is really about how Kyoko is this ghost who's, you know, this grudge ghost. A vengeance. Yeah. Yeah, This vengeance ghost. ghost. But like, it's because of her husband and her husband was really the malevolent force controlling everything. Right. You know? So it's like, yes, this is her story, but it's like his story. Right. You know? And sort of like in the same way we get, we follow Kazumi as she's doing her housewife stuff. Yes. But then it's really about how her husband responds to it all and how her husband gets sort of like affected by it and like, gets kind of possessed by the original yeah, murderer. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which, by the way, is like, I think one of my favorite and to me, one of the most effective scenes yeah. is when I believe Kazumi is, I don't think she's quite dead yet, but she's like, again, kind of like in that, unresponsive. Yeah, in that catatonic. Yeah, because yeah, she's had an interaction yeah. with this ghost. And then you know, Katsuya comes to like her aid and then we kind of like see the transition so well. where he like, and then like just, it's just the simplest little thing, just a little shift in lighting, a little uh, yes. tilt of the camera, like just, just kind of bringing his head on down. His face just, just slight changes. Change, slight change in expression and it is incredibly effective. It's, oh yeah. yeah, no, hands yeah. down. Like probably my favorite part of the movie. It's so well done. And so, then- and then he starts, yeah, talking in ways that we know are not things that he would say. Right. Or about. things that, like, because Kazumi and Katsuya don't have kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, because he's talking about, like, oh, that kid's not mine. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, you guys don't even have a kid. Yeah, I don't think she cheated on you. <laughs> and there's not even, like, and there's no kind of allusions to, like, maybe she's pregnant, you yeah, know? Yeah, no. There's Which like could nothing. happen in, a, in some yeah. other version of this film, but, like, Right, yeah. You know. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, at this point, we're still sort of like, okay, well, this is weird, but we don't really still know what's happening, because we don't, we don't really get the backstory of these ghosts for a while in this movie. Yeah, we are kind of left in the dark in that way. Yeah, we know there's but, a kid who's connected with a cat, and then there's a scary lady. <laughs> there's a scary lady, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I was just kind of thinking, because, you know, even though the vignette's named after Katsuya, it really does focus more on Kazumi. Mm-hmm. And I just asked myself, as I was, like, taking notes, I just asked, what's her deal? <laughs> <laughs> like, because when Rika comes into the house, it's really dirty, right? Like, yes. Sachi is not being cared for, right? Um, but then, like, even before that happens, like, before they die, before they're, like, killed by this vengeful ghost, like, the house is still a mess. Yeah. And it and it almost kind of seems like Sachi is, like, also not getting the care that she right. would need. Well, and it's interesting because we have a few lines where um, Kazumi is sort of, like, complaining about how, like, oh, Katsuya, your mom was, like, up she's running up around. She's up all night, night. walking around. Yeah. But it doesn't seem sleep. like she's capable of doing that. Yeah, right. And then it also seems like... 
she's sort of blaming Sachi for the mess, kind yeah. of, maybe? Yeah. Though still not cleaning it up. Though also, like, yeah, why doesn't Katsuya clean after his own right, mom? Right, because, like... Because like, she seems to be the primary caregiver for her. Right, and, and that's the thing, is, like, it does kind of seem to be Sachi's primary caregiver, because, you know, I'm just thinking about, like, Katsuya probably being, like, a salary man. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Those, like are, the working a lot, those right? are the vibes. Um, and but, Kazumi being housewife. Yeah. Kazumi is like the housewife, the homemaker. And so like, that's her job and she doesn't have any children to take care of. So I'm just like, so why are you not taking care of your elderly mother-in-law? Yeah. Like, and why is, not cleaning the house? <laughs> why not cleaning the house? And it's so interesting because like the way that it looks is just like, it just looks like there's trash on the ground. Like you could really easily pick up that yeah, trash. Yeah, it's not like gross mess that yeah. would take like a mob or something. Yeah. I know. And I just wonder if that's because the curse is already setting in. Right. Because, because there's so much else about the house that feels sort of unsettled. Right. Because they're living in the house that the original murder family happened. Yeah, was murdered in, right? Yeah. So, and I think we're probably going to be getting into this, is like, that's a huge theme in this film, is like the domestic sphere, right? And houses and homes. Yeah. And so, yeah, so maybe like it's already just kind of like cursed. There's already sort of this like vengeful pressure being put on it. Yeah. Not to mention, we we, we really can only speculate what's happening with Sachi because Mm -hmm. like she doesn't have any lines, right? Or she has one line in the first part with Rika. Oh, okay. Where she she does say one thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it also seems like a situation where she's sort of being possessed and it's not really her words because they don't make a lot of sense to what does she say do you she remember? says something about like how i tried to warn her oh yeah about yeah, yeah, him yeah, yeah, or yeah something like that yeah yeah something kind of ominous that rika being new to the situation wouldn't understand yeah what that means right and then what else about there's that? one other member of the takanaga family hitomi hitomi yeah who is another situation where i find it int- like kazumi and katsuya's relationship and mm-hmm. like what's put on Kazumi as the housewife. Right. Is that we first hear of the sister Hitomi, who yeah. is Katsuya's sister, being like, hey, Kazumi, what's up? You know, what's going on at the house? Yeah. What's up? How's, how's, how's mom? our mom do? You know, yeah. like talking to her sister-in-law instead of like to her brother. And it's just, yeah, I just find it interesting that like Katsuya takes on no, none of the responsibility of like his family. It's like all Kazumi. And right. I get that Kazumi's the one at home who I guess right. should be taking care of the domestic fear, but it's like, I don't know. In my mind, that's not her domestic sphere. But of course, I'm coming from it from like a Western perspective where we have less of a connection to our like extended family and our like married family, you know, and our elders. Really? Yeah. 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 I kind of think about. Yeah. And I always kind of wonder, like, also what Hitomi's Mm -hmm. role is because she's the daughter of Sachi. Right. Yeah. And. She's like a single career woman. She like she, is. she does she seems to live alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she doesn't she's not married, she doesn't have kids. It really she really just seems to be like focusing on her her career and her job. Yeah. Right. Um so she's not really taking like that active role in taking care of her mom, which when I th- what I understand about like Japanese culture and this idea of like kind of like collectivism is like you would take care of your elders. Yeah. Especially your parents, right? Yeah. Or grandparents. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting that it gets put on too. Kazumi, right? Yeah. Which, and she ends up not doing a very good job. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because of ghosts. We're Maybe not sure. Maybe because of ghosts. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Um, but I do think Hitomi also is just an interesting character because she's the first one where we get really get a sense of like how far reaching the curse of this house is. Right. Yeah. She visits like for a second. Before, she's in there for a second. Yeah. Before she gets sort of shooed out because stuff's going on. Right. And Ye- then somehow yeah. that curse follows her all the way to like her office building so her and then apartment. Her, her apartment. Yeah. Yeah, the grudge kind of like attaches to her 
Like, does the grudge, the grudge, you know, uh, curse, whatever, attach to her after Kazumi and Katsuya die or before? Well, I guess it, I mean, she gets infected by it, I guess, when they're still alive because she goes over right. to see them. Right. She does. Yeah. While they're still alive. Yeah. Right. And then we know she calls them. Oh, but she calls them after they're dead because of the voicemail. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. She actually doesn't start getting haunted until after they're dead. That's true, yeah. Because so, it's after that voicemail. So, you know, like, uh, what's what's that term? Um, just, like, time management. Okay. One thing at a time. <laughs> Gotta yes. kill these two, and, <laughs> then we can, the and then we can kind of move on, like, move yeah. those tendrils out to yeah. uh, people who have had contact with this house. Yeah. Um, and there, that there's really, like, no safe place for her yeah. to go. Yeah. Right. Just an- one mm-hmm. more thing about Hitomi that I actually really love. Well, in general, I love a brother-sister relationship in horror. Of course horror. you do, yeah. I mean, yeah. But also because, I mean, it's something that you talked about, how like a lot of our horror, a lot of our fears come from childhood. Sure, So yeah. it makes sense, I think, to mine like sibling relationships and horror a lot more because of those like shared fears yep. that come up together yeah. and then also how we like maybe or, depended on each other for like protection. Right. Or the way, I don't know if this is a similar situation with you and your brother, but like as far as my sister and I go, like a lot of like the traumatizing things yes. I experienced through my sister. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, all of that childhood stuff. And I thought that was really well done because mostly we see... The ghosts just sort of like as themselves being ghosts. But we get this interesting moment in Hitomi's story, vignette, where the ghost actually kind of becomes her brother. Right. Yes. And like, what's that about? In my little section in my notes that I always refer to as the good horror shit. um, I said when Hitomi sees Katsuya through the people and she opens the door and he is not there. I was like, that's good. That's good. good. I mean, because she has this, she's been like haunted for a little bit now. She like ran all the way. I was kind of with her because she like, she tells an adult, she gets that security guard. (laughs) She is an adult, but yes, yes, yes. (laughs) She tells a bit at all. She tells someone, yes. (laughs) And she like runs away and she locks those doors. And she's like, girl, you're And she hides in her house with all the lights on under the blanket. I'm like, like, I'm with you, girl. Yep, that's about right. And then she has so much relief when she thinks her brother has like come to help her to save her. And then that's like really what dooms her. And I'm just like, oh, that's good. That's terrifying. It is terrifying. And with the the voicemail and the phone call yeah. right that like we then know is not katsuya yeah um yeah that's it's some, so good that's some good horror shit that's all i'm that's saying some, yeah. yeah it's some good horror shit. um but then hitomi does in the end get got she gets got yeah and then it is unfortunate because she does tell the the um the security guard right yeah. and he gets got as well mm-hmm. which is just is unfortunate because like he didn't do anything right i know he never came like he never went into the house yeah. he didn't really like do anything other than just trying to do his job and he gets got by yeah. a revenge ghost i mean i think yeah that's part of what's so scary about we'll talk more about like ghosts in general and yeah. the specific type of ghost but one thing that's so terrifying about this sort of vengeance ghost is that it really is just sort of like equal opportunity yeah, if, if you, far reaching just and, and you get in the way and like that's your own fault yeah you know yeah yeah and like not even in the way just sort of tangentially walk by it's like oh you're infected now yeah because it works more like an infection that's true yeah it kind of moves from one person to another right yeah but does kind of seem to do like one at a time yeah or or two maybe you right know? Yeah, yeah if they're like connected yeah but. or in that in that house right yeah. oh yeah because that that happens later i'm we're getting i'm getting a little bit ahead but like that happens later like with izumi yeah and her friends like her three friends that she's there with and she sees the like the missing posters right she yeah. knows that they 
all got got. Yeah. Right. And she ran away. Um, yeah. And like all three of them go at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So so m- wonder if it like has this like venge- vengeance ghost maybe has like more power in proximity to the house. Oh, that would make sense. And like, yes, it does kind of, again, like expand past that, but maybe not as efficiently. Oh, that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I like that thought. I don't know. Okay, I, I don't it, have an answer. I'm just Yeah, because it does yeah. the most stuff in the house. Like, right. It actually where affects it's the physical place. It's the where most we intense, get yeah. an actual crossing of time streams, which... Which is insane! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe we should actually talk about Toyama. I'm ready to move now. on to Toyama. Yeah. Uh, literally, all my notes for him is... Sad dad? Question yeah! <laughs> we love a sad Ka- dad! Katie loves a sad dad. And <laughs> I'm fine to live vicariously through that, right? Um, and he's also... I feel like Toyama also has, like, this really interesting role in this film that kind of reminds me of like an American or like English language crime movie yes. where he's like, we he's the retired cop. Yeah. He's been in like, he's had contact with this kind of curse weird thing before. And like, he's retired, he but got he gets out, dragged and back, in, drag me back in, which probably adds to the sad dad of it all. Yeah. 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 Um, and he's a sad dad because his daughter is Izumi. Yes. Who gets her own little vignette as well. Yes. Yeah. So after Hitomi's vignette, then it's Toyama's. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Which is another one where we have a lot of time with Rika again. Because we get, this is where we finally find out that Rika was catatonic. And so the police are finally getting involved and being like, what happened at this house? Yeah. You know, and so we get a little bit of Rika. Now, because we've, and then that's, is that when we find the bodies of Katsuya? I think so. And Kazumi. Yeah. I get like the last the three vignettes kind of mixed up and confused, but Sa- yeah. Sachi is dead. Yeah. And Rika is alive, but like not, not in good shape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. And so Toyama's kind of like the investigator guy who's be like, I guess I got to figure out what's going on in this damn mm-hmm. house, you know? Um, yeah. And then so the, yeah, those last vignettes kind of clumped together a little bit for me. And I was like, wait, when do we find out what? Right. Yeah. And then also this is, I think, really when when like the timelines start to get messed up in and gets really a, interesting, a ways. little confusing. Right? Yeah. So is it in to- it is at the end near the end of Toyama's vignette where. Yeah, the weird time stuff happens where he's in the house and yes. we've established we've met. Izumi is like a young girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, she's little. She's little. Yeah, and she's then she's like drawing with chalk on the sidewalk. Yeah, sort she, of. Yeah, yeah, cute little girl, just being a girl. Yeah, and then, but then he's in the house and he sees like basically a teenage version of his daughter yeah. like walk down the stairs, look at him. Yeah, they clearly make eye contact, but then not say anything and just leave. Yeah, right. And it's like, oh, such a interesting ghostly haunting. Right. <laughs> and yeah, and it shows the power of the house. And then isn't that also when a couple other investigators also, again, get got? Yeah, they yeah. all get got. And yeah. once again, I think he tries to run away. He tries to burn it all down. Yeah. And it's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. No. But it does not go well. But for it him. doesn't work, right? What I, more about Toyama other um, than the sad dad of yeah. it all? Actually, perhaps instead we should posit that it is a sad daughter story. <laughs> Because right, he dies. Yeah. For, I feel like a sad dad often has like a kid in peril right. or a kid who's dead a already. Kid who died, yeah. Whereas this time, it's it's you know we get to a Zumi story and it's really about her dealing with her grief over her dad dying right, yeah. under pretty mysterious circumstances. Mm-hmm. It turns out when he she did was quite escape. Young. Yeah, we find out he did escape from the house for a while uh-huh. and then died later in a way that maybe seemed like it was a suicide. Uh, but we know better. We know, right? Yeah. yeah there's that really heartbreaking line where Azumi's mom 
sort of notices Azumi starting to act weird starting to act weird like doesn't want to leave her room yeah. she put, keeps putting like newspaper over her windows yeah. and stuff talking about people are watching her or whatever yeah. and her mom says that's what my husband was like before he died yeah which is such a heartbreaking thing for that mom to be going it through it is heartbreaking but then i'm just like so then mom like get her some help what do you yeah what are we doing about <laughs> yeah this, like if you think that like, this is the like game plan some sort of like suicidal depression yeah. situation like yeah. what and then again maybe this like curse has some influence over her as well yeah like, the way that the house she is also messy. just seems really low affect i guess yeah just kind of checked out yeah and their house also seems yeah. not dirty necessarily no, yeah not the way that the other but just is. sort of like dim yes and lifeless yeah in this way like because when azumi's friends come over to like check up on Azumi, yeah, and make sure she's okay like yeah. the amount of life that they have is like really kind of glaring in this house mm-hmm but yeah, it yeah. is another situation of people being in over their heads because now it's like these two teenage girls who are like, oh, our friend is in this like bad shape and like right. her mom's not doing anything and her dad's dead and like. And died under mysterious circumstances yeah. kind of a long time ago. Yeah. right? And then also these girls are also have to be aware of the fact that like three of their classmates are missing or just right. disappeared. Right. Yeah. And do they know about Azumi's involvement or presence on no the, because the night in question Azumi confesses it to them she d- they in didn't her bedroom know. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. think they knew before she says it right so Azumi's just dealing with a lot yeah right? which is another good horror moment too is when they get the photographs back from the yes. class trip yes and it turns out all the pictures of the girls who were like missing somehow those pictures even though that was before they went to the house I assume somehow the photos are are infected with it or did they no, all I die later it- it's my understanding that those pictures were taken after after they went to the house the house yeah so but the infection is showing up in the pictures and then they die later they don't die in the house well i mean they go missing quote unquote later her friends find photos of her and her friends eyes all blacked out yeah so that must yeah it that the friends who end up yeah going missing we we know get got by the ghost right yeah so maybe it is kind of retroactive yeah i don't know maybe they were like marked you know it's this, yeah, kind of interesting idea of, like, fate right. happening in this movie. It's just like, is it, um, and sort of kind of what I wrote down is, like, this sort of nihilistic idea. It's like, doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. Doesn't, like, just. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of it as sort of being, like, stuck in the cycle. Yeah. That, like, the past is the future and the there future is the past. Yeah. In the way that it doesn't really matter when the photos were taken in comparison to when they went missing. Yeah. You know? Or when they went to the house. Right. It's all kind of like it falls in, in itself. on itself yeah. in the same way that Azumi and her dad can both be in the house at the same time at these very different times That's and different see times, each other. Yeah. But so like, right. But then when we see from when we're in Izumi's vignette, right? Like, do we get her part of that where like she does leave we the do. house and we see her look at her dad? Or she mentions it. She mentions that she saw her dad. She, I think she does because then later in her house, right before she gets got, right. as we keep saying, right. <laughs> gets got by ghosts. Yeah. Um, she, I think she talks about, she's like kind of talks to her dad, yeah. quote unquote, about like seeing him or like feeling him there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. And then she does end up, Izumi ends up meeting the same fate so many other people in this movie do, right? Yeah. And where does that happen again? It happens in her own home. In her own home, yeah. And the ghosts take the form of the other girls who went missing. Right, yeah. I wonder if that's something that the curse does. Because there's the thing at the beginning, the thing at the beginning says that, like, when you come in contact with the curse, a new curse is born. Right. So I wonder if that's part of it. 
of how it's able to reach outward yeah. and how it's able to take on these new faces like, you know, Hitomi's brother showing up right, or like yeah. her missing friends showing up yeah. is because it's technically a new curse right. rather than the same curse. And it like maybe is them, is yeah. their ghost rather than like yeah. the spirit of yeah. Kayako, right? Something like that. Something like I that. I don't maybe. know. Yeah. And then we end with Kayako. Kayako, which again, this last vignette is really focused on Rika. Yeah. Yeah. And her friend Mariko, who we've met. Well, we kind of met before, who I have questions about their relationship mostly. Does Rika have a crush on her? Oh, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rika knows what is going on. And like, just, just well, the way they interact and the way that Mariko's the one who shows up at her bed. Like, who else does Rika have in her life? Right. To I, show up at like her hospital room. It's yeah. Mariko. Yeah. Which is interesting. And then she realizes I mean, her freaking boss at the yeah at whatever her volunteer job is uh, yeah. could, could be bothered to show up maybe so, i don't know doesn't he end up dead too he probably gets got I a think lot he of ends people up dead. End up, yeah. definitely another one of the social worker people someone could have shown up yeah because somebody finds his body right i don't remember if it was the original social worker or her boss but anyway anyway, some, boss. anyway yeah anyway they and who cares about that guy yeah. but yeah <laughs> but the, but marika's like the only person in her life who's there right so Which friend. is interesting. Yeah. And so, then yeah. she finds out that Mariko is going into the house mm-hmm. and she goes back into that house. And I'm just like, damn, Rika, Rika, you love this woman, not necessarily romantically, but like, you like, know, as like whatever yeah. way you must love that woman so much Yeah, to do that. Because that seems terrifying to go into the house where, you know, there are like ghosts and a haunting and like, yeah. And because because now we're back into more linear storytelling yeah. after two vignettes where like time means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we're back in linear time. And this is taking place after Rika's initial interaction yes. in the house. Right. And she's still going back in. So she's like she she has like that interaction with the ghost or the spirit or whatever with the grudge. Right. Mm-hmm. And then is unresponsive for a while is hospitalized and makes a recovery yeah somehow yeah right yeah and like we sort of see a hint that she's still being like haunted that's or right because she does see she wakes up with like black cats all over Yushka. her bed also and, like it, in that lunch scene with her friend oh yes. she looks under the which table i wonder is when, the little boy is that when mariko gets infected Maybe. Yeah, what what are the circumstances in which Mariko goes to the house? For some reason, she's a school teacher. Right. And for some reason, that little boy is enrolled as one of her students, but obviously has not been showing up to school. And probably hasn't been for a while. I know. That, <laughs> I know. We don't really, with the nonlinear storytelling, we don't really get like a timeline. But still, is I think... Is this when, days? Is it weeks? But still, this would have been long enough that that first family who started the grudge died. Right. And... At least one new family has moved in and been possessed by it. So, like, that's got to take time. Yeah, right? So, like, yeah, there's no way that this boy would still be enrolled in any school. So, I don't know if that's part of the grudge reaching out. I mean, in the same way, it can make phone calls and stuff. Maybe it can also just put a child on a school roster. Right. And, I mean, it can infect photographs. Why not? Why not? What else? Yeah. Um, It's just a way to lure her in because she's been, like, infected now. Yeah, his name is Toshio. 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 Which, because Toshio, we see him several times over the course of the film after he's already dead and a ghost. And he actually, of like the ghosts, I think he's the only one who he speaks. Because Mm -hmm. it's not, Rika asks, Rika finds him. Because he's like in that like boarded up closet, remember? And so she like gets him out of there and she finds him. Terrifying. Yeah, and she's just like, who are you? What's your name? And he says... Toshio, and like that's the only word he says, right? Yeah. So there's kind of like this interesting situation where it's like the ghosts can speak, mm-hmm. but don't. 
Yeah. And then so they go back in the house. Yeah. Marco goes in first. Rika goes in to save her. Fails. Fails. Yeah. <laughs> and do they, they both end up getting, yeah. getting got? Yeah. And yeah. our last really shot is just Rika. Yeah. It's called Kayako, even though it's not really her. Like, we aren't following her story. We right. aren't getting her backstory or anything. But it is the one where we She's see... She's just the original grudge ghost. Yeah. And it's the part where we get the really iconic scene that everybody talks about where she goes down the stairs and her weird disjointed ghost yeah, movements good stuff. that everybody yeah. talks about because yeah. it's creepy it's as creepy. fuck. It's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, our last shot is seeing... I didn't realize I, I was reading a plot summary to remind myself of it. That right. It took me a while to realize that that last shot is Rika not yes. Kiyako, but she's left in the same position that Kiyako's body was left up, all wrapped up in that plastic in the attic. Ah. Uh, you know? Uh-huh. So she, like, kind of becomes the new Kiyako, I she's guess, like in a, a way. a new curse. Yeah. Yeah. Because, once again, the cycles, man. And They're the, cycling. And there's also that really great, super effective shot where Rika's in the house. She's trying to GTFO. Yeah. And she passes that mirror, oh, and yes. her reflection is Kiyako. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. And I also... Yeah love the use of like color in this film mm, mm-hmm. yeah um particularly in this last vignette because so much of this movie is kind of like white and beige yeah. colored and the ghosts are all very white with very yes. dark black hair yeah but i think it was you who pointed out first like there's not a lot of blood no for a lot we get yeah. that first scene which has some blood yeah and then only here in the very end like kayako doesn't have blood on her and then suddenly she's covered in blood uh-huh, yeah you know and then and then we see the ghost version of her husband who did the murder and started all this. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure if we ever get his name in the movie, but I'm sure he has a name now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, him. And he's like kind of in color, too, in a way that the other ghosts aren't. Right. And that's another interesting thing about the ghosts is that sometimes they look like ghosts. That's true. That's true. They're like white. Like yeah. Very, very with, white with the very dark hair. Yeah. And, and then the dark that eye. might just be because they're Asian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that they're Japanese and are going to have a dark color hair. hair. Yeah, but oh. just like the stark contrast. Yeah, the star- the, definitely the stark contrast. And then, but then sometimes like Toshio shows up and he just looks like a little boy. That's true. Like, he yeah. doesn't look like a ghost. Yeah. So, and then, so like the ghosts do that sometimes too, where yeah, sometimes they to, look like, like ghosts, people more. sometimes they don't. Right? And of course the cat always looks like a cat, but yeah. what, I mean. I don't, there's no skin showing to make white, so this is the cat. I did. I did briefly look into black cats in uh-huh. Japanese culture, just because I was like, I know in our culture they're like quote unquote bad quote luck, quote unquote bad luck, yeah. you know. But I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the case in Japan because right. I know cats in general are like generally lucky. Yeah, they're lucky, yeah. right? And there are some like different yokai, like ghost, mischievous spirits, creatures, sure. things like that that can be a little more spirit, um, mischievous uh-huh. cat versions of okay. them. I mean, yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of their cats are lucky and stuff, and. Black cats, in particular, uh-huh. are considered lucky for like young unmarried women because oh. they bring in they bring in suitors, which okay. I just thought was like such an ironic choice for this movie because all of this original problem starts with her husband, her husband and her yeah. potential lover, maybe or who he's accusing her of being right. her lover. So like having this black cat bringing yeah. in suitors, maybe being like bad luck instead, right? Or like because what what is just sort of just remains an unanswered question for me is that this man who kills his wife yes and his kid and his pet cat right yes. Omar. is like is motivated to do so after finding out his wife is in love with another man yeah like what i think he finds like letters i think that's that what the backstory is yeah. so it's not in the movie so we don't really know in just this movie definitely 
Right, good point that we're referencing other things in like yeah, this, which this I'm film not series. super familiar with because I've only watched the one movie. But I have seen things that's like, yeah, maybe, yeah, it was like maybe her professor or something. Yeah, like uh, there's yeah, and so we like we don't have any evidence that like there's actually like physical cheating happening, mm-hmm. but like there's probably like definitely some like emotional cheating happening, yeah. right? Um, so he's he's motivated to do this awful thing because he thinks his wife is in love with someone else but like but he's also possibly cursed and acting crazy before that i don't know uh, yeah and then we were you were mentioning how like in another film in the ju on series kind of like retcons it a little yes. bit yes where toshio is like an evil kid yeah some like, sort of malevolent spirit inside the kid uh-huh. or something so how did a malevolent spirit get inside toshio yeah well and it's something about how yeah how kiyako also was more of a malevolent being already or like a bad person and like or something and like they try to like i don't know kind of i don't know if whitewash is the right word but make the husband seem like less of a fucking murderer like retcon it's like retcon. yeah it's a retcon when it's like knowing that like this movie like he really was inspired in writing this movie by like a rise in domestic abuse cases to then change the domestic abuser to be like sort of the first victim instead is like an odd choice odd choice but yeah. he he wasn't the one who made these later movies that's that true yeah this, so right. yeah because you know as i was watching when we were watching this movie and we were figuring out okay so like what's this ep- this episode gonna look like right yeah i was just like okay so basically to me this movie is about two things yeah ghosts and spirits yeah and like how we see things that are like dead come back mm-hmm. you know things yeah, that we that think stuff. are gone that are in the past come back and they're right. not right yeah or this movie is about domestic violence yeah and i was like wow which one do i want to talk about for a couple hours <laughs> more than the other right so that's why i told you i was like i just want to talk about ghosts can we just talk about ghosts yeah. can i <laughs> um can i make a quick argument or at least a quick lay out the pieces for why this film is about domestic violence oh absolutely because it totally is i mean yeah we know it is but i just want to sort of like put it out there absolutely like exactly yeah because i think that this curse into the themes yeah yeah yeah, and we'll just start there because i think the curse the grudge whatever we want to call it really chooses victims in a way that sort of reflects the sort of violence that a lot of societies like to sweep under the rug. Absolutely. So like we have like the domestic sphere sort of abuse, like spousal child elder abuse, which we've already talked about are very present in this movie. Yeah. But then also like the trauma of working in like these caregiving fields, you know, that really doesn't get addressed. Mm. And like the abuse of like a boss over his laborers doing all this like forced labor. Yeah. And then also I think in Toyama and Izumi's cases, we also have like these examples of like people with mental illnesses hurting themselves maybe, you know, yeah. that that being like kind of a metaphor for that. Yeah. And it's like really because like, we so often prefer to have our violence come from the outside, like with like the stranger danger right, strangers, stuff. And, yeah. Like, we prefer that because like we know how to fight that. Yeah. But like all of these violences are the ones that like come from within. Yeah. Which is really well done metaphorically with her seeing the ghost in the mirror of her, yeah. like, you know, Rika seeing herself, herself as, the, as ghost, the ghost, you know, yeah. like there's no easy solutions when it's this violence coming from. Right. Like the curse is inside of you. Yeah. And it it honestly reminds me of, you know, as a teacher, I'm a mandatory reporter. Yeah. And the idea of mandatory reporting is like relatively new. And like once, you know, once like doctors and, you know, and teachers and all these other people who like have public facing jobs then ended up being mandatory reporters, like reports of abuse just skyrocket. Right. Yes. And so, you know, some people might 
be mis like might misunderstand to be just like oh this wasn't a problem before Four. and it's like no this has always been pervasive this has always been a thing and yeah. we're like actually talking about it because we do kind of think of like our domestic sphere as like as private like what yeah. happens at home is the business of home yeah yeah, yeah. i think also of like um the kitty genovese case oh, sure. i forget how yeah. you pronounce her name her kitty life. genovese yeah okay yeah um how some people talked, you know, th- that was the case. That was this whole deal about how, like, um, oh. bystander effect, yeah. where it's like and people the, won't do anything to help out and other the people. Immorality of living in a yeah. city, which yeah. has been disproved it's many, not, many, not many, close. many times. Not even close. But yeah. one of, of the people who didn't do anything when they heard a woman being yeah. hurt outside, yeah. some of them said, "Well, I thought it was an argument with like her husband or her boyfriend, and that was not my business." Yeah, you know, because that is sort of the idea. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, it is yeah. a case of there just being like the way this haunting works in the domestic sphere is like a haunting that's like a lack of safety in the places where like we're most supposed to be able to be safe right and it's sort of like ability to breach the domestic sphere yes. into and in fact outward every other part of our life yes yeah. yeah and just to give some specific examples of where we see this like as a very clear metaphor sure um that part i was talking about where the grandmother sachi yeah not grandmother older mother <laughs> um she's sort of muttering to, to rika that she told kazumi again and again you know, in this way, that's like, I told her and she didn't listen. And again and again that I oh, I don't know, just from the beginning really set me up to be like, oh, this is like kind of a domestic violence story where it's mm-hmm. like you can tell people in these situations again and again. like it sounds like somebody. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not making myself clear. Like like the way that when we see or think that somebody we care about might be yes. in a domestic violence situation and you try to offer them help. Yeah. But sometimes they're not ready to leave the yeah. situation yet or there they, just isn't a good way for them to be able like they to actually can't yeah, yeah. and yeah. i feel like this course also has that where it's like you can see the signs of it mm-hmm. but there's like often not any way to leave and like it's coming for you too i mean there's of course like we already said the explicit thing of like the original murder being because you know she had another man right this isn't my child and the yeah. and the way that the most terrifying part like we talked about was when katsuya gets possessed by that guy and gives that line mm-hmm. so fucking terrifying yeah and so simple like that's what gets it like it doesn't you don't need like a huge special effects budget like it's just lighting yeah. and camera work man yeah yeah like I said, also with the teenage girls suddenly being responsible for their best friend who seems like from the outside, not knowing about ghosts, seems to be having a psychotic issue of some sort. Yeah. Like some sort of break, like something is happening and they're not equipped to deal with that. No that is not their responsibility. Yeah. But they, like, it's like nobody else to help with that. Yeah. We're like, not talking about it. it it's would in be, the home. It would be like Azumi's mom's responsibility. Yeah. And she's like, not. not. Yeah. So then it's like, what do, are those girls supposed to do? Yeah. You know? And then also, I think even a little bit with the cops and with toyama getting pulled back in where they're like you're the only one left who was involved with the case right just this also this sense of like well again of the infection of it of how everybody got got but also just the sense of like i like i think there's also a little bit of like the abuse of labor and how we don't really take care of like i don't i, I got like ptsd vibes from him you know from toyama yeah mm, i was sure, like yeah. you know the soldiers coming back from war right. or whatever right and being like the only one left and he has like such survivor's guilt and like ptsd mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. that's another thing that we don't really like to confront or talk about in right. societies a lot we're like again we're like you just man up you just deal with that yourself right or yeah or that like something like post-traumatic stress yeah is reserved for something like combat yes right where yes, it's just like yes. no like we can like we can develop you know, post-traumatic stress disorders from abuse at home. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So there are just, there are a lot of parallels in like every story of these sort of like violences that come from within, quote unquote, in some way, Mm -hmm. or like within the domestic fear or like within our systems that we think are safe and helpful. And like even with the social workers who are supposed to be helping and who are just not so helpful. And one of the, I mean, we can talk more about labor later, but one thing that Mariko says to Rika um, is was Hirohashi bugging you to do something again and you couldn't say no, right? Right. Talking about her boss. And it's like, ooh. I do feel like Rika maybe has an issue with saying no. I do too. Right. Yeah. And, and but I also yeah. think that often it is the cases where bosses will take any little inch that they can yeah, get right. and keep pushing and take, make it hard for you to say no. Yeah. Because it's your job. She's a volunteer. She's so a I don't volunteer. know why oh she's gosh, that way. Yeah. But like, you know, in an actual labor situation. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's. Yeah, and like, uh, what what does he say? Like her boss, whatever. It's just like I'll buy you dinner. Yeah, like, yeah. Like that's like that's not compensation that's, for this work. And she doesn't seem to like you that much. So actually, that seems like more of a treat to you yeah, than to her. Because yeah. like I don't know, right? I well, don't know. and I, I feel like this is especially so relevant now because like so many unions are on strike. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's very and, much on the mind. Yeah, for for me definitely. Yeah. yeah, and like I'm I'm thinking this like it's the school year and like we've had like some schedule changes and I'm finding myself working on Sundays and I right. fucking hate working on Sundays I don't get paid to work on Sundays mm-hmm. like like I'm not the it's not my contract hours right but I, like, it's like always been the case for teachers yeah it's uh, yeah it's as well and like we think about thinking about like the inherent like femininity in yes. or or female sphere yes of domesticity yeah and those kind of caregiver positions yeah like and we can, uh, yeah. caregiving and teaching yeah. and we can also think about how a lot of those jobs were originally more dominated by men. Yeah. And then once women got involved in them, that's when they started to be, you know, paid less and disregarded and treated worse when they suddenly became more women-focused jobs or women-dominated jobs instead of men-dominated jobs. Like, yeah, there's an absolute sense of issue there. The idea that any sort of caregiving, like whatever specific instance of caregiving is just like not highly valued. Yeah. The way that... um, the way that Katsuya yeah. job of like, you know, being a salary man. Right. Yeah. But this is also just, I know that this is just pervasive in Japanese society. Like people work. Yeah. Like that's what you do. Yeah. You know, that work, I mean, yeah. Work Cause we important. also see it with Hitomi. Right. Cause she also seems to be quite the career girl. Yeah. She's like the is, last in the office. Yeah. Yep. But it's like what we were talking about. So then suddenly the wife slash sister-in-law, yeah. you know, is the one who's like dealing with the living mother and like, you know, She's like keeping track of when the sister is coming over for dinner and mm-hmm. like cooking and like taking care of all that labor and nobody seems to really be acknowledging it because we don't acknowledge that kind of labor. Right. Even though it's so in this and yeah. like with the teachers, Marco is a teacher and yeah. she is definitely doing work beyond her contract hours. Right. And like, why is it her? Like, I don't there's think there's no way that's in her job description. It's not. But this actually I've been noticing this. This is this happens in horror movies where teachers like people don't know what teachers do, yeah, and so they like, think they care more about their kids they, than they or, do. <laughs> or that like yeah, like teacher. I I just was I can't remember what it was. It wasn't very good, but there was like a horror movie where like I was just watching where like a teacher literally was just like making house calls, yeah, and I was just like that's not your job. Like yeah. to literally show up to someone's house, like not no, no, that's not your job. No. I mean, at least tell admin, let them deal with it, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. If something's like actually that bad. But like people don't understand like how, how schools function. Yeah. Not really. So they're just like, oh, yeah, that's what teachers do. Well, it's like because, not even close to Because what so do. often, I mean, my mom's a teacher and she always talks about this and yeah. we're both in education yeah. too. Yeah. Um, how so often people think that like 
teachers are doing this because they love children and they care about the future and you know want to like instill this in their children and they love them like their own or whatever and like that might be true for some teachers definitely not all yeah they might just like the kids they might just think it's a good job they might just think it's a job and they don't care and they clock out when they clock out you know it's a job yeah they shouldn't be expected to do more labor right because they quote unquote love these kids and like yeah like i i know i derive like a great sense of purpose from being a teacher like i know why i'm waking up every morning i know like i'm trying to help these kids and you know make things easier for them for like the things that weren't easy for me like make it easier for them you know like help them figure out who they are as human beings yeah and I deserve to be compensated fairly. Yes. For that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not an either or. It's yes. a both. And. Yes. <laughs> and I imagine that it's probably the same in the sort of like caregiver social work stuff mm-hmm. that like Rika's doing where it's like she's a volunteer and it's like, was she did she agree to like deal with like bodily waste and the amount right. of cleaning that she's right. doing? That's in that a biohazard. House? Yeah. Like, Does did she have ag- training? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Well, yeah, and especially it it is does seem maybe this kind of goes with like the kind of labor that we just just assume, right? It's right. just like like yeah, you especially in a, a culture that has a long history of like you know venerating your elders mm-hmm. and taking care of the older generations of your family, like your parents and your grandparents. It just like maybe just seems like it goes without saying. Like yeah, you're gonna take care of yeah even if it's not your mom it's your mother-in-law yeah like you're gonna take care of her and even rika who's just a volunteer it seems like she she like kind of thinks about it but not really she's just sort of like okay well i'm gonna clean this house let me get the vacuum like she doesn't even really think about it that much as like an option to just be like no i could just say no to this because i'm a volunteer and this is above my ability yeah and responsibility haven't been trained for this it's not in my job description yeah. and all that stuff this yeah. wasn't my house call to make we were supposed to have somebody who's an actual trained professional do this like yeah. come on and Enrica's not there to put the two and two together that like where's the trained professional who's supposed to be doing this where right. are they again yeah they're gone yeah they didn't show up to work that's unusual right. yeah. but again that's also not Rika's responsibility nope. that's like her higher ups job her employer's job whoever her manager is to be like oh let's make sure we have the right people doing these jobs (laughs) just throwing some young volunteers at it oh my god in my notes i did like yeah in the notes i was taking as we were watching the movie and it like really early on we we meet rika and like we see you know her working situation and yeah i just wrote like workers are exploited just like in the u.s (laughs) hey oh and like that i don't know actually kind of made me feel like better you know just like well at least it's not just a u.s thing you know (laughs) it's all capitalist yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so yeah we absolutely have this labor thing and like the idea of like the labor that's valued versus not valued the labor that's just expected yeah versus the labor that we like would consider going above and beyond or whatever yeah 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 and a lot of and a lot of that labor does come again within like the domestic sphere or the right care, yeah the caregiving sphere caregiving which we sphere, associate so. with women right yeah and then and then yeah like the caregiving sphere and like domesticity does then also feed the, the theme of domestic abuse as well yeah right and i think also something that's really cool and kind of like a theme i think we're going towards talking about the theme of like the home right more specifically and i love actually the physical space of the home and how there's like how they the way it's shot really sets you off to feel kind of like ominous about it. Like Mm. we get that shot kind of from above where the lamp overhead is like swinging. Right. And like everything's sort of tilted in the way that is shot or in the angles of the house that's like unsettling. And Mm -hmm. like the clock is sort of swinging at an angle that everything feels unsettled because 
the domestic sphere is not operating as it should be. Right. This is not a place of safety. Yeah. You know? And it's the same thing with that, all the filth around the house, all the stuff that needs to be cleaned up. And it's like, yeah. yeah, And it's like, is it the people being infected by the curse or is it the house itself sort of just generating all of this unsettled stuff somehow? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. it makes the house itself unsettled and ominous and like yeah yeah, in the same way that all the domestic stuff is unsettled and not operating in the way that it's supposed to be quote unquote yeah or it's just like a little bit of both you know yeah like well because because the the whole point is that all of this you know this a disturbance of domesticity is like being caused in its root by this ghost yeah who was a housewife and is now no longer a housewife right yeah she's something terrifying who's going after right because of the the circumstances in which she dies yeah she becomes wait because she they they kind of give us a little they lay it out for us a little bit in the opening yeah they tell us what exactly the grudge is so ju-on is the grudge like the grudge itself or is ju on the name of like the spirit no because ju on means like grudge curse or something yeah like yeah that. yeah 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 so so um like that's the because of the ju on because of the curse yes then we have this sort of again sort of like spiraling out mm-hmm. from within the home like spiraling out to the rest of society yeah yeah and it's because in a way because the uh sort of like compact of the domestic sphere of the way it's supposed to operate of like perhaps of the husband going out to work and the housewife staying home and taking care of the kid and right. taking care of the sphere like that gets disrupted either by her having an affair oh god yeah or by him being an abuser right and kill you know like yeah. you know being violent both of those go against the you know traditional compact of what the house is supposed to be the home right. is supposed to be and so we have a housewife who becomes a monster. Yeah. And a child as well who can, becomes a monster. Can I talk about ghosts now? Do you want to I cannot wait to freaking talk yeah. about ghosts. I think this is a good time to move on to ghosts because let's we're talk talking about, about yeah. Let's yeah. talk about ghosts cuz she is a ghost and she's a specific type of ghost, but she I is. think are you going to touch on that or am I going to touch on that? And you're going to touch on ghosts. I have more a general. feeling I'm going to skim the surface okay. and then you're going to dig a little deeper for okay. us. Okay. Cool. Then let's so, get into it. Yeah, so I just thought, you know, cuz again, this is our first non-English film that we're covering. It's Japanese specifically and, you know, uh, the culture of Japan and like East Asia more generally um, does have a a a big, a big connection to like spirits, mm-hmm. right? But so do a lot of other cultures, right? So like actually a lot of global cultures throughout like all of human history mm-hmm. overwhelmingly have some understanding of ghosts or spirits like yeah. pre-abraham we're talking right right um, we all want to know what happens when we die right and we so we might call some of like our earlier human understandings of like ghosts or spirits like we might call it animism Mm. Or we might call it, like, ancestor veneration, right? right? So, like, do you want to just, like, in a sentence or two, explain what animism is? Oh. If you can't, I can. Um, My understanding Mm -hmm. is that, you can correct me on this, it's the idea that spirits sort of live in all things of the world. So there there is, you know, animus, like animation, Mm -hmm. animated, you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of being existing within like the trees and the rocks and the animals and the people and that we're all sort of like connected in this sort of spiritual spiritualness and like giving respect to that and like giving respect to the animal before you you know hunt Mm -hmm. it and eat it and being respectful to the land and the give and the take of the world right yeah that's my understanding yeah it's just like this belief that objects people places 
all creatures, not just humans, have a distinct spiritual essence, Mm -hmm. like a soul, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so all things, even like words, can have like a soul, right? That's really cool. Um, All things believe that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All things are animated and alive. And like animism is kind of like the general term we use for a lot of belief systems of like indigenous people, Mm. right? Again, before the sort of like widespread um, monotheism, you know, kind of takes hold, right? And I imagine Mm -hmm. a lot of the different cultures that have and do still believe that still have different beliefs about what happens to that soul after the being of whatever sort it is dies. Yeah. And then, so, and then there's the, the other part where we call it, like, might call it, like, ancestor worship, mm-hmm. um, ancestor veneration. Right. and that's more right. about the soul after death. Right. So, um, yeah, the, it's more based out of, like, love and respect for the deceased, usually specifically deceased relatives. Right. You didn't need to be related to them, but, you yeah. know, the relatives are, are, like, the most right. important. And I imagine there's also a sense of, like what a relative means to one culture might be different to another because right. it might just be the people in your village are all your yeah, relatives, our relatives in yeah. a way. Yeah, or yeah. just like the important people of your tribe or whatever word you want to use, you know, yeah. your culture, your people, the heroes of the past. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's in depending because there's a lot of ancestor veneration like all over the world throughout history. But depending on the culture, it's like related to the beliefs that the that after we die, we do have a continued existence, right? Yes. That there's something after this, like, earthly plane, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that takes the the shape of ghosts or spirits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that those ghosts or spirits do have the ability to influence the fortune of the living. Yeah, what else are they doing with their time? What else are they doing with their time? Yeah, you know, it's like, well, you know, depending depending on, you know, any given culture's idea of an afterlife. Right, like, yeah. Honestly, hearing about some of these afterlifes, like, honestly, that sounds fucking boring. Some of them do sound really yeah, boring. Like, uh, like, I think in the... A lot of descriptions of just, like, heaven sound really boring. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, others don't, but it depends. Like, uh, what was it? I think it's like an ancient Greek understanding of the afterlife. Oh, it's yeah. just like, you just go to a field. Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, in a field. And I'm like, that sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds really boring. <laughs> but you're with all of your warrior companions. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. So if we're talking about like Valhalla. Or, yeah, 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 Valhalla sounds like a killer good sounds time. Sounds like a fucking party. Yeah, yeah and um, you're just waiting for the battle of end times. Like, yeah. come on. And I think there's some like indigenous like American tribes who, you know, kind of consider the afterlife to be like a big hunting ground, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a similar way. So yeah. What else are they doing? Right. Yeah. So maybe they're just sticking around in the earthly plane and watching. Yeah. Keeping an eye on their, what do, so if they're our ancestors, what are we to them? Descendants. Descendants. Yeah. Keeping an <laughs> eye on their descendants, you know, especially if we care about like a specific family line or a specific yeah. tribe, why not? You know? Yeah. Um. So these believe like animism ancestor veneration you know really do include a belief in ghosts or mm-hmm. spirits specifically human beings who were once alive and have died right, right yeah which is different than the idea i think of some like animus type spirit of things where it's like you can have a spirit in a rock or in a tree yeah. or whatever like the spirit's already there and it's not something that's like left over after death it's like something that's always there yeah. you know what i mean yeah. whereas ghosts are the things that are left after death yeah and that these ghosts have influence over what happens in like our physical world now. right so for instance i have a couple of i think pretty cool examples mm-hmm. um in parts of like polynesia it's believed that after death a person's ghosts usually Mm. travels either to the sky world or the underworld Mm. right but sometimes they stay 
on Earth. Huh? Um, so usually if they are sticking around on Earth, they're probably taking a pretty active role in the affairs of the living still. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and like they could even like be more benevolent, like they could cause like illness or sickness. Oh, um, more malevolent. Mal- malevolent. Benevolent is good. Malevolent yeah. is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they're like, fuck my family. <laughs> or maybe not family, or just somebody. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, can, they can cause sickness. Vengeance ghosts, yeah. They could invade the body yeah. um, and need to be driven out with like really, really strong medicines, basically. Yeah. So so the thing is, is that like if you are venerating your ancestors, right? You're mm. Maybe you're giving them offerings. Maybe they could help you out. It really, honestly, l- learning all this about ghosts like really just reminded me of like the fae. Mm. like maybe like respect them respect them keep your distance yeah. maybe maybe if you offer like venerate them and give them offerings they could mm-hmm. be helpful to yeah. you um or not i right? mean it's also a lot of early conceptions of like polytheistic deity situation like the greek gods also were like be respectful Fickle. of the gods but watch the fuck out yeah i actually don't disrespect the gods they will come for you i found this but if you do respect them then like they'll totally show you their favor and you might be their favorite which can be its own problem own honestly problem, yeah <laughs> uh yeah i found this quote attributed to confucius i don't you know probably can, a lot of things are attributed lot, yeah. to yeah. that's uh respect ghosts and gods but keep away from them oh yeah and it's like yeah that pretty much sums it up anyway so maybe these spirits or ghosts could help you out but if they die tragically mm-hmm. or violently mm-hmm. or this came up a lot in a lot of different cultures if they're not buried properly oh yeah then they can come back and be vengeful i mean that's true with like when we were talking about the vampires and stuff all of the specific right, burial specific rituals yep. to make sure things don't come back yeah it's respecting the dead right and and this also does end up starting to evolve as humans are actually starting to bury their dead mm-hmm. it's not a thing we've always done right? right yeah we've had different ways um so a spirit also, like a spirit could be like stuck on Earth. Like maybe you're supposed to go to the sky world. Maybe you're supposed to go to the underworld. But maybe you're stuck there um, for a lot of reasons. Like maybe you have unfinished business. Mm-hmm. You have an important message to send. Mm-hmm. You might, it might be like penance for a, a punishment, uh, like oh. a punishment for something you did during your life. Um, and ghosts can also like be death omens, which uh, tracks, right? Yeah. So I have a, a couple more fun examples of, of ghosts in sure. Bengal. Ghosts are believed to be like the spirits of a an a human after death who is like unsatisfied, mm. right? Um, or the soul of a person who dies in unnatural, abnormal circumstances, murder. So yeah, maybe like a, a tragic accident or same ideas, yeah. even sometimes suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah those same um, ideas. So that like that's who ghosts are. They're like the souls of people who like haven't moved on yet. They might be unsatisfied. Like something needs to happen before they can move on. Um, or they're upset and mm-hmm. want everyone to know how upset they are yeah. um in like northern india they're called bahuts i looked it up how to pronounce it bahuts okay um they're yeah more like again souls of of people who were once alive and are now dead and they're like more perturbed they're restless and again the the reason that is like keeping them from from moving on is that like maybe they died violently mm-hmm. or they're yeah, there are did. unsettled matters in their life, right? Yeah. Um, or again, simply there's the survivor's failure to perform a proper burial. Yeah. Right. Again. So that's kind of in South Asia, in Ireland. Woo! Oh, and actually, kind of everywhere. The idea of like a, a quote unquote white lady. Yes. Pretty pervasive, but yeah. specifically in Ireland. Familiar. Um. Yeah. So like the white lady is 
is supposed to represent like the spirit of somebody who who died tragically or suffered a lot of trauma in their life. Um, and there are white lady legends like all around the world. Right. right? Yeah. Um, uh, famously, the what first episode of Supernatural deals with a white lady. I don't remember. A lady in white. I oh, think so. I think okay. it's the first one. It's one in the first season. Okay. <laughs> it's one of their first ghost cases right. is a lady in white. Oh, does that lady in white, has she lost a child or a husband? She has some sort of tragic backstory. Yeah. And because of that, she's now killing other travelers on the road. Oh, I see. Yeah. It was like a child died or something. I don't remember. Yeah. So like, don't it, expect me to remember it, something from the first season of Supernatural. Know, it's not even that good. Um, <laughs> the first season. Um, and several other seasons. So, yeah. White Lady Legends are like everywhere. Yeah. And a lot of like it's, common theme that goes through them is like the loss of a child or a husband or some other kind of like sense of quote unquote purity. Is Yorona, um, La Yorona, La Yorona, is that a white lady type? I mean, because I know she also, but she kills her own children, She does right? kill her kids. So she's yeah. sort of more of a Medea figure if we're going Greek. So La Yorona is really interesting. Yeah. Is she, <laughs> would you consider her a ghost? Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, but, and then she is somebody she, who was alive. Her specific story is also really closely tied to like, Spanish colonialism mm. in what is now Mexico. So, like, there's Fair a enough. big, like, you know, how, like, a lot of these stories, like, when we talked about uh, urban legends last yeah. time, um, they have, it, like, roots. her story is kind of like a don't fuck with the conquistadors. Yeah. It's like they're just going to fuck you up, you mm. know. Um, but the la- the white ladies are, like, ladies in white are different from ladies in red. Oh. Right? Who Which, to are, me, just sound like a fancy way of talking about sex workers. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or, like, a jilted lover. Uh, a jilted lover or yeah. sex worker, basically. Um, and then, the so the white lady is, the white lady ghosts are usually associated with, like, again, an individual family line. Yeah. Um, and or that's regarded as a harbinger of death, like a banshee. Yeah. Yeah. Is that because I feel like another common ghost that you see in a lot of like media and stuff is the like ghost bride. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a whole movie about it. The corpse bride. Apparently, <laughs> I didn't. I learned this very recently that like the original story that the corpse bride is based off of is a specifically Jewish story. Oh. And Tim Burton or like whoever we want to whoever's feet we want to lay it at, like okay. deliberately take out all of the Jewishness. Oh, no. Of the story. Oh, wow. Yeah. To like, That's I don't know, make it more palatable to audiences, probably, but white supremacy. I don't know, or because the version of the story that they got, maybe it wasn't even deliberate. Just the version of the story they got had already had that much Jewishness removed from it. Maybe because so yeah. much always gets removed. Yeah, so um, That's interesting. I'm going to look more into that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, brides. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Sounds um, like the same idea. So yeah, and then I think there's one other like pretty big part of like ghosts. That we need to bring up, especially after like Christianity takes hold in Western Europe, mm. like by the 1300s, like by the late medieval period. Yeah, yeah. Um, ghosts are considered to be like basically spirits of people in purgatory. Mm. They're like they're not in hell. They're not in heaven. Mm. Right. Um, they're somewhere else. They're in purgatory. So like so they 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 serve a lot of purposes. Right. So they can they're able to like warn the living of dangers of sin. Okay. Right. And yeah. like useful to be like, please, like, don't like repent your sin. You oh, know, the very classic uh, Scrooge. Yes. Yeah. Christmas, by the, yeah. Christmas story. Wait, Christmas story. Uh why doesn't that sound Fuck. right? No, it doesn't sound right. Christmas Tale? Christmas Tale. Is that a Dickens? A yeah, yeah, it's Dickens. A Christmas Carol. Carol. God, Christmas Carol. So yeah. Yeah, so it, yeah, it totally reeks of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah. So ghosts might appear to, like, warn the living of the dangers of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then also, you know, kind of be like this promise of of redemption too, oh, yeah. right? That like you, your soul could still be saved, yeah. right? Um, they're also like they might appear to ask the living for like prayers to end their suffering, to like mm. get them out of purgatory, right? Um, is this different then? Yeah, that probably is different then. Um, <laughs> I, there are a lot of stories of you know like nuns and priests or whatever in the Middle Ages mm-hmm. who have sightings of different saints, sometimes yes. Jesus himself, but also like the you know yeah virgin mary and like other saints and like these interactions with these saints but you probably wouldn't call them ghosts because they're saints so they're in heaven and so they're more of visions which is like a different category but yeah but like the 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 saints are like absolutely part of it yeah yeah because they were once human right Right. yeah that's what i'm thinking but then they've sort of become something more than in a way that maybe these purgatory ghosts haven't really become more than at least not yet because they're still waiting on that ticket to heaven yeah and so like especially in medieval europe like ghosts could kind of be put into two categories like the souls of the dead yeah people who were once alive and are no longer or demons obviously obviously so like but if we're if a soul of a dead person is coming back it's usually for specific purpose again unfinished business yep maybe vengeance. being improperly buried vengeance whatever yeah um to deliver a message right mm-hmm. all um, these same things or they're a demon and the only reason they're there on earth is to torment and tempt the living into damnation yeah. right um so but apparently you could tell them apart pretty easily Ooh. by demanding their purpose in the name of jesus christ oh, obviously yes. obviously yeah. Duh. <laughs> so uh, the soul of a dead person would be like I, I just need to, like, tell my daughter that, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've got um, this business. Here yeah. we go. And a demonic ghost would be banished at the sound of the holy name. Obviously. Oh, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. So, yeah. And we actually see this in a lot of other cultures, like, uh, dividing ghosts into two camps, friendly and unfriendly. Right. Right. Um, and there are, in a lot of cultures, like, a specific time of year where it is believed that ghosts are just mm. around. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Asian Asian countries have, like, ghost festivals. Yeah, yeah, they checked- do. Japan has one. It's in August. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've got Samhain with the Celts, yeah. and we've got Dia de los Muertos yeah. in Mexico, right? Yeah. Um, all, all of our amalgamated Halloween stuff. Right. And so, you know, uh, my kind of guiding question through this research is like, what function do ghosts serve? Yeah. Why ghosts? Why ghosts? Yeah. And so uh, I found this Guardian article uh, by Susan Owens, and she says, ghosts perform two functions. One, to scare us. Mm -hmm. It's like to remind us of the presence of death, Mm -hmm. right? But two, to reassure us. And like the promise that death isn't really like that finality Mm -hmm. that we might think it is, right? That there is something that happens after we die in this world, right? And so I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah, we've got all these examples from all over the world, but this movie is Japanese. So like where are we coming from culturally yeah. Within Japan. Yeah. To like with these ghost things. Right. Mm-hmm. So I found this BBC article and it talked about ghosts all over the world. But specifically, it did focus on ghosts in Japan that they specifically carry a strong moral message, mm-hmm. which is why I think is probably going yeah. might help with your literary corner. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that will be irrelevant. Yep. And so I got this really long quote, but it's so great. It says um, ghosts generally haunt for a good reason. They could range from unsolved murders, lack of proper funerals, uh, suicides, other preventable tragedies, and just sort of like ethical failures, Mm -hmm. which I think we see a lot in this movie. Yeah. Ethical failures. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what we see all over the place. So ghosts in this light are often like seeking justice from beyond the grave, right? Mm. Um, And 
they could like, you know, they make demands from individuals, but also just like from societies as a whole. Right. Yeah. So like for ex- another example, not relevant to Japan, that in the U.S., there's a lot of, you know, reported ghost sightings of enslaved people, the ghosts mm. of enslaved people and like murdered indigenous people mm. like around the United States. Right. Especially near like big fancy universities. Yeah. That were maybe were built with mm-hmm. slave labor kind of thing, you know. Um, so in this way, ghosts uh, is again a quote from the BBC article I found. Um, ghosts reveal the shadow side of ethics. Their sightings are often a reminder that ethics and morality transcend our lives and that ethical lapses can carry heavy spiritual burdens. Mm. Yet ghost stories are also helpful in suggesting a life after death. They offer a chance to be in contact with those who have passed away um, and therefore a chance at redemption, like Mm -hmm. a way to atone for those ethical failings. Yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting. It's like ghosts are, like the idea of ghosts are literally everywhere, right? Yeah. And they overwhelmingly serve very similar functions. Right, yeah. You know, whether we're like in a part of the world or like a culture that's like more monotheistic or polytheistic Mm -hmm. or whatever, like ghosts are just always there to do pretty much the same thing. Yeah, and the idea of them being like ethical lessons or messages is really interesting and I think really relevant to this movie. Right. Because that is literally what is happening and it is spiraling out in that same way. And Right. And like the way that like I mean, and we've we've already talked about this, but the way that like the example of domestic abuse like does permeate mm-hmm. other parts of our society. Yeah. Right. And so like we've got Kayako, who's like this vengeful ghost, and like mm-hmm. part of the reason she's seeking vengeance is that she's been wronged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just figured, because normally we do your literary corner and then I bring up like whatever I want to yeah. talk about. Yeah. But I figured I was like, I bet this is going to set up Katie's literary corner yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Because so a large. I'm ready for literary corner whenever you are. Well, then you better sing the song. Literary corner. <laughs> yeah. No, because a large part of, I mean, I was interested in the sort of influences on this story. Right. Specifically. Yeah. And like the specific kind of ghosts that could be influencing it. And Takashi Shimizu has mentioned a few things that were like explicit influences. Like we already said, one of the specific references that he was drawing on was the rise in like domestic abuse cases being reported in Japan. Mm-hmm. Another thing he talked about was um, the style of dance called buto, buto, which sure. um, I did look into a little bit. It's not like super relevant to what we're doing or anything, so I won't talk about it a lot. But like, look at it. It's was just, it fun? It's just it's a really cool dance style, and it came out of like the aftermath of World War II. Sure, and was like trying to move away like more like Western inspired dances and focus on like these sort of like natural movements of the common Japanese folk. And it's like has a lot of improvisation, and like the main inspiration on this movie was that they often do the whole white full body paint or white body suit and then the weird kind of disjointed movements of the body yeah so it's all like that was and then all these expressions of like really raw emotion and like it focused on the grotesque and the taboo and the melancholy and the way that other dances don't yeah and it was just a very like i don't know anti-establishment art form nice transgressive art form the first dance ever performed was at this festival um in 1959 the first performance, it was called Kinjiki, and it was like a representation of homosexuality. Wow. And it like, ended up getting like the director, like ended up getting banned from the festival. Uh-huh. But anyway, so that was one of the, the big influences for the way that the ghosts look. But the other thing for the look and why Kiyaku looks the way she does is a very specific type of ghost in Japanese culture called the Anuryo 
and I this was one. And that that's I, how you say that. Well, that's me doing my best. It's one of yeah. you know how in Japanese the R and the L sound are kind of the yes. same. Yep. I struggle with that, and then I also struggle with it being followed by a Y a Y sound. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a unreal. Yep. I struggle with it, yep. but I'm doing my best. Yes, you are. But I'm yeah. not even going to try. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's like pretty explicitly the type of ghost that we're dealing with here. Okay. It's a resentful spirit who was wronged in their life and like is sinking vengeance in death. And it's a type of ghost that goes back to at least the 8th century in Japan. That's oh. like when we first start hearing about it. Okay. And like there are a number of like political figures throughout Japanese history like, it's not just in, like, ghost stories or, like, photos or something. Like, there are actual political figures who are considered to have turned into unreal when they died because they died an untimely death or, like, were wrongly accused or something and they came back and, like, often they continued to be a problem until they were, oh, properly buried. Properly buried. And then, like, properly yes. revered. Yes. And, like, yeah. Yep. Interestingly, these are spirits who target not just the people who harm them, but also can, like cause natural disasters Whoa. and like go after like more people so just like mm. in this movie they have a wider reach beyond just the people who they're like getting vengeance against yeah right so you have to like perform certain rights to like kind of soothe the wrong spirit right so, and um another place where unreal really come up is in kabuki theater and i think kabuki is really responsible for sort of like our common understanding of what like a Japanese ghost looks like in the way that they look in these movies. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Because like before Kabuki really started to like typify that look, like some Unreal had like specific identifying marks, but mm. they could also just sort of generally look a number of ways. Like sure. they didn't have to look, they didn't really have a universal look to them. Yeah. But it was like the costuming and especially the makeup in Kabuki that like made it a solid singular look. Yeah, and that that makes me think of like in Kabuki, yes, but like other theater traditions mm-hmm. where like, you know, like Shakespeare plays have ghosts in them too, yeah. right? So it's like the question is how do we differentiate the character on stage mm-hmm. who's alive versus the, the character, character who's, who's dead. dead. Yeah. And often it's, you know, a bunch of white powder or Yeah, or paint. like long sleeves. Yeah, something yeah. flowy. Yeah. Flowy, yeah. yeah. Sort of raggedy long hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, the kabuki makeup tradition, which is kumadori, it uses a lot of colors to like tell who the characters are. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like, for example, if you see, you might often see like depictions of samurai with like the white faces and the like really severe red paint. Okay. Sort of like around their eyes, especially. And it's because red is for like heroes and it's for people with like righteous fury. Nice. Not to be confused with the more vengeful spirits vengeful where it's fury, like not yeah. a righteous sort of fury. Yeah. Um, they use brown colors for like gods and demons and like non-human huh, okay. things. But then blue is our villains. Oh. Who could be human. And then also our vengeful spirits. Oh, okay. Our bad ghosts, you know, who were once human. Blue, huh? Yeah. Blue wow. or indigo. Okay. Yeah. And ghosts particularly are always identified with their they're wearing their white burial kimono because white is the like mourning color in japan it's yeah so they're wearing their burial kimono they have their unkempt long black hair Mm -hmm. and then the white and blue colored faces so like i think this is why i for the longest time didn't really realize that there was a difference between the ring and the grudge (laughs) because like yes because kiyako and whatever the ring girl's name is I don't remember. In the American version, her name's Samara. Oh, yeah. I it's don't not know that. What yeah. Her name is. But yeah. they look basically the same. They do. They look really similar. And and I also think just like chronologically, like timeline, they're very close together. Yeah. And I think so, it's because they're both sort of drawing on that kabuki look of yeah. the white and we, gown and, and we the also, black hair. And we also, in like 
circa 2002 would have been quite young. Yeah. Would have been like 10. So that helps. So too. yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. They just exist in my world and I can't tell yeah. the difference. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, that is just sort of like the vengeful spirit look that came out of Kabuki. And there's a really famous ghost story in Japan mm-hmm. called Yotsuya Keidan, which is just the ghost, sto- ghost story of Yotsuya, which was first staged as a Kabuki play in 1825. Side note, it was performed performed as part of a kabuki double feature oh yeah grindhouse kabuki yeah, grindhouse. yeah. yeah the, the other story was like a really popular like ronin samurai yes. story oh my gosh dude it is it's japanese it's grindhouse yeah. apparently that was a thing they did i love it uh, che- yeah. check out our double feature yeah. on uh planet terror and death yeah Proof. it's like the Learn same thing more yeah. about double features grindhouse double yeah. features yeah yeah that's and, awesome yeah and then this ghost story um it was like an instant hit for a number of reasons, possibly mm-hmm. because it was like the first sort of ghost story that really focused on like common people instead of being the stories taking place in like temples the, or like the emperors, yeah, the elite, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that's what a lot of the previous onryo were. We were like these political figures sure. and things. This was like just were they like people political stories? Um, actually, the other the the other play that was performed as the part of that double feature, uh-huh. the the Ronin, the Ronin story, Ronin, yeah. that was based on a true story oh, okay. of like a military battle oh, okay so so probably some like nationalist vibes yeah. like look yeah, how I fucking awesome yeah. we are i didn't yeah. look at it too much but yeah sure yeah. yeah but this one was this story was mostly fictional i mean was entirely fictional though it did have some inspiration because there had recently been a, a murder some murder cases mm. that were like shocked the world a little bit because it was like a servant killing a master but why true crime now i Sorry. know right true crime <laughs> right all yeah. the time everywhere yeah. all the time yeah and this story yatsuya keiran it's Basically, the story of the super shitty guy sure. named Iamon, who ends up being haunted by his very rightfully pissed off first wife, Oiwa. Okay. Oiwa. We're going to do our best. You're doing Oiwa. Great. Yep. Um, yeah. And so she ends up becoming, Oiwa be, ends up becoming this like really well-known, really famous onryo, at least partially because she's like way more violent and like direct in her haunting than like previous depictions of you know ghosts and lady ghosts in particular you go oiwa you go oiwa yeah yeah and there's actually i mean she's probably even more of an influence on the ring because Mm. part of what happens to oiwa before she dies is that she either by her husband or by her husband's there's like different versions of the story because it becomes so popular of course so it's either her husband or her husband's like like a rival for her husband's affection gives her a poisoned like face cream and it disfigures her face and like makes one of her eyes like droop and weird Mm. and i think that's something that happens with the ring girl too like her face one of her eyes or something and i guess there's also a moment in juon though i didn't catch it because i didn't know to look at for it where um when they're watching on the screen where the face gets kind of distorted and one of the eyes gets like bigger out of place that's oiwa okay yeah i was wondering i was like this is obviously a reference like why are we spending so much time on this yeah Okay, thank you. Wow, yeah, that answers that question for me. Because I was yeah. like, why are we doing this when Hitomi's like hiding yeah. under with the yeah. lights on under her blankets yeah, and, and the then TV's the screen, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remembered it, but I didn't know what it was talking about. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's Oiwa. Wow. Okay. So yeah. yeah, it's like a pretty direct and I reference. Think, I think she also has some other interesting parallels with Kyoko. Most notably, these are both tales of domestic abuse. Yeah. Like, wherein the victim, she can't really protect herself in life, yeah. but she is able to get that vengeance in death. Yeah. So, like, there is this thing about, I saw some different articles talking about Oiwa and why she was so popular when she first arrived. And it's maybe because it was at a time when, like, women in Japanese society, this would have been, like, the Edo period in, like, 1800s. Okay. Um, the women in Japanese society were, like, really keenly feeling their oppression. Yeah. And so, like, there was this thrill 
in seeing this like gentle housewife type victim being turned into this like righteous tormentor mm-hmm. of her just super shitty husband. Sounds really familiar. Yeah, and it might have also been kind of thrilling for the men in the audience too to as like a horror story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, and so that's sort of the same thing we're talking about with Takashi Shimizu talking about how he's like really writing Juon in this time of domestic abuse cases being on the rise yeah. in Japan. And, like, that's why he wanted that to be a central ghost story. Yeah. And so, like, just as with Oiwa, when we're watching Kyoko, we see her go from this, like, powerless victim who, like, all we know is she was a housewife. Like, we don't really know anything about yeah, her. We, yeah, she's not yeah. really a person. At least not in the first film. Yeah. And then she becomes this, like, extremely powerful yeah. supernatural being yeah. who's, like, just fully and violently expressing her her fury, her yeah. very understandable fury. Though I do think it's interesting. I don't know. I was just thinking about Kyako in those terms. And it's like, none of those archetypes. I'm not sure if those are ones that she like chose for herself. Like, how satisfied was she as a housewife? We don't know. We, we don't, don't know. get to know. Like, yeah. at most we know she maybe was having an emotional affair with somebody else. So maybe right. not too happy. So, but, yeah, but like with her like college professor or something. So it's like, so is she in school? Yeah. What is she studying? And what's the power dynamic there? Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, 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 I have questions that we just don't have answers for, at least not in the first film. Yeah. But um, but then at the same time, the curse is what's compelling her later, too. So I'm not sure she's really choosing her new life either. Her life of vengeance, you know? Right. Like, like is she happy being stuck in this cycle of constantly hurting more people? I understand she's super, super angry and yeah. needs to express it. Yeah. But would she rather, like, like, I don't know. I just felt like she never gets to have agency in this interesting no. way. But, like, nobody in this movie really has any control. Right. It's so, like, everything just seems so faded. Yeah. Right? It's just, like, it's what's, you yeah. know. Yeah. That was the other thing that I found, like, a really interesting connection to Yatsuya Kaden when I was reading different, like, summaries of it. And, like, all of these different versions of this story. As with this movie, the violence just sort of spirals further and further yep. beyond where it began. Mm-hmm. In that, like, infectious way that it has. Yeah. Like, at first, it's, like, people related by blood. Yeah. Also are going down. People related through work are also going down. Mm. People who just sort of had the misfortune of being in the wrong place at the wrong time are getting killed. Like it's security guard. Yeah. It just kind of is spiraling out of control. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yeah, we have this single domestic abuse story Mm -hmm. that suddenly involves another family and a social worker and friends of the social worker and the police and the family of the police. This is why abuse is a public health concern. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just never ends. No. Like, there definitely was that moment at the end where I did really feel like maybe Rika was going to, like, figure this out. She sort of has this moment with Kiyako where it seems like maybe she, like, understands or feels some sort of, like, sympathy for Kiyako where they look at each other. And I kind of thought Rika was going to break the curse or, like, save herself or maybe Mariko or, like, something. And, like, that just doesn't happen. No. There's, like, no satisfying ending. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about her corpse just sort of becomes a reflection of Kyoko's corpse. Yep. And it's like, yeah, the cycles of abuse continue. Yep. And it just continues. And there's, like, no satisfying ending. No, there's not. Which, honestly, in a horror movie, I like. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be a happy ending. Right. right? Yeah, so we could, like, just think, like, you know, come away with this feeling of just, like, oh, you know, like, it's fate. We don't actually have control over our destiny. It keeps just cycling and cycling through. There's no escape from it. Yeah. Or we could girl bossify Kiyako. Kiyako, yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah, fucking get those people. Yeah. yeah, There is this thing with Oiwa, who there, even though she is a fictional character, there is now like a supposed grave where she is. Oh. And so when people, because this is such a popular story that gets retold, like there have been movies and other plays and things like that. Um, When people do that, it's sort of like considered really dangerous 
because of her spirit oh. and unless you go and pay your respect at her especially whoever might be playing her like really needs to go and like pay your respects to oh, her yeah, yeah, yeah. and really show that you're like yeah. are there that you're on her side and you understand where she's coming from and like that she's right she has every right to be upset like to be vengeful like yeah yeah, yeah. so there's definitely a way you can feel that with kiyaka where it's like yeah before she's fucking pissed off yeah i don't blame her yeah and it's like well maybe the way to end this cycle of abuse was actually at the beginning you know like none of this should have happened to begin with it should have all been caught earlier and then there are so many other instances where it's like well somebody should do something earlier earlier it shouldn't be reaching this point yeah so that's my thoughts i love that so many deep thoughts. thoughts um so we were trying to think of like a game to play for this and didn't really come up with one yeah so but you had a good idea yeah i just had this idea of like you know, what are our own personal experiences with, like, ghost stories? Yeah. Or just ghosts ghost in general. Ghost sightings, whatever. Um, so, I don't know. Do you want to go first? Should sure. I go first? Well, because mine is, I mean, I think what I want to talk about is that I was really hesitant to do any sort of ghost movie, ghost horror. Like, the reason why I don't, for the longest time, didn't think of myself as somebody who likes horror sure. stories is because the more supernatural horror stories with ghosts and demons mm-hmm. and monsters freak me though which is it has like it, it always it always like flows and like you know comes into fashion goes out but like right now american horror films are like very focused on supernatural elements yeah yeah totally yeah there have not been a lot of horror movies that i've been watching these days right <laughs> except for last voyage of the demeter God, which ended we're not up talking about it being disappointing <laughs> anyway uh, right so it, it's just always been something that you're it's just yeah. like nope yeah, any nope. versions of it. I I was surprised by how much this movie actually didn't end up scaring me. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it. And I think the reason is because it was such an iconic film right. with such influence that a lot of that imagery, like her coming down the stairs yeah. or coming out of the blankets, the covers, yeah. under the covers. It's a reference been, you already understand. Yeah, they're, they're references that I've seen before. Yeah. So I've been sort of like... In, you know, inundated already is inoculated to them there that you go. was the word yeah. I've already been inoculated so I wasn't like too freaked out by it I did however not ex- not the night we watched it but mm-hmm. like a night or two after that I was sort of like not quite asleep not quite awake right. and I started hearing meowing well coming from very near my head uh-huh that I knew wasn't any of our cats. It wasn't? No, because okay. I looked around and there was no fucking cats in my room. I was going to say, it's like, you have two cats. Located. I know. So, I know. Of course, my first thought was ghost. And then I was like, no, I have cats. You have No cats. fucking cats. Yeah. My window was open, though, and there are neighborhood cats. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a neighborhood cat yeah. on the little carport roof by my window. However. <laughs> scary. Very scary. Yeah. Yeah, the only other thing close to a, like, I mean, like, that obviously was not an actual ghost. Sure. And the only other thing I had where I was pretty sure I was being haunted was mm-hmm. I have had that, like, sleep paralysis demon situation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had that where I've woken up and it was me not able to move yeah. and hearing somebody just sort of, like, cackling. Oh, scary. It was the most terrifying scary. moment of my life. I believe it. Yeah. I have actually, for all of, like, the 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 issues that I have with sleep, sleep paralysis has never been, oh, like, yeah. I can't say I've ever experienced yeah. it. Yeah, that's the only time I've experienced yeah. it where it was, like, something really terrifying. Yeah. Other times, scary. I've just been sort of, like, stuck, and I've been like, wait, the fuck, the wait, fuck get the fuck up. On. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that one was, oh, my God. I have had, like, not 
recently, certainly like as a child and into like adolescence, I would have like a nightmare mm-hmm. and then I would wake up and from the nightmare and just like I could move but was too scared to. Yeah. Like I just needed to like stay still for a little bit. Yeah. But like yeah. I, I could move. If I, I know. That's why to. I really, I really appreciated Hitomi's sort of like under the blankets. Under the blankets, where lights it's on. Yes. Yeah. And of course, that's still where the ghost got her, which is, but again, that is imagery I've seen before. Actually, I think I saw that in fucking two sentence horror stories. They have a story that's obviously a ripoff of Julon, which is about a ghost, but also a story of yes. domestic abuse. Or yeah, oh yeah, was it abuse or was it like addiction or just that was loss? a different one? That was a different. They one. They all kind of yeah. blur together. There was yeah. one because he was like the husband who was like abusing his wife. But it turned out that he had been abused as a child, too. And so the ghost was resolved by acknowledging the abuse he faced or something. I don't know. It was stupid. But he does come up through under the blanket. So for a while, I had nightmares about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But that meant I didn't have nightmares about this. Good. Well done. And Kiyako is a much prettier ghost anyway. And we had also... She can come in my bed. Also a while ago watched Insidious 3, which I think is scarier. It did give me... I I had a heart... I was like, I don't know about turning off lights right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think we'll get out the old nightlight. Oh, no. The first first time I watched the first Insidious, it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. And yeah, I like... I came home that night and I was also starting to get sick. Oh, So I was like sick and scared and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Everything is bad. I'm just going to keep this light on for a while. Yeah, I can't do it. Um, So that's, you know, but we did this ghost and I handled it and I did very well with it. Proud of you. Very proud of me. We'll see how long it takes before we do another ghost. (laughs) That's true. It might be a minute. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I have like actually... The, oh, another thing I was like looking into as I was like looking up different ghosts is like also the idea of a haunted house of mm-hmm. like having a, a specific place. Yeah. Like where ghosts might be. Yeah. Um, and there's like a couple references to haunted houses in like the Tales of the Arabian Nights. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. So like I actually kind of think that like the house I live in might be haunted <laughs> because it was built a long time ago by my great grandpa and it was built for his ex-wife, my great grandma. I did not know that. To live in. Basically, oh, she was like, I had no idea. Build me a house and I'll leave you alone kind of thing. What? Because they were like divorced, right? What? And he was like, yeah. That's Ooh. such fun family lore. It really is. Yeah. And she, the, well, this is the story I heard, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. This is just like what I've, what I yeah. heard. Yeah. Um, and so, my great grandma lived at the like this is a duplex right upstairs downstairs apartment like my great grandma lived up here where i live now oh and it's my understanding that my great grandma did die in this house oh god right? yeah um and so i remember when i was like growing up and living downstairs I would like, cause my, my brother lived up here, but he was like, he worked nights. Oh, so okay. I knew he was gone nights, but like, I would sometimes like hear like footsteps mm. upstairs and I'd be like, I know Thomas is at work. Gotta be great. There's grandma. no one up there. Right. Yeah. You know? And so I would like hear footsteps and then, yeah, sometimes downstairs, like just like, I never like saw anything, but it's just like that go-to ghost shit where like cold spots mm. and like, I would like smell what just smelled like a really like floral perfume, oh. you know? And, like, I remember talking to my dad about it once, and he was just like, yeah, that, like, might be my grandma, because it's his, his grandma, yeah, right? Yeah. It might be grandma. And he was just like, but I don't, like, see why she would, like, want to, like, scare us mm. or, like, harm us, you know? Right. And I was like, yeah, maybe she's not. Maybe she's just, like... This is my fucking house. Coming around, yeah. you know? And, like, it can 
yeah. smell the perfume or something. Yeah. You know? She's, she's um, like, I made him build this house for me. I'm going to fucking stay in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then my sister, of course, my sister is my sister. <laughs> That's a whole uh, other story. But she lived up here as well. And she told me stories about like hearing like noises in the staircase. Oh. And how... I could see that staircase being kind of freaky at night. Oh fuck yeah! Because it has a, a it has a doorway on the top and a doorway on the bottom yes. for people, and it's like just its own stairwell. Yep, it's that's just, just all stairwell. on its own. And yep. there's something just kind of creepy because it's like a liminal space. Yeah, just existing on its own, and yep. that's always a room for liminal things. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have never experienced that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, but what what I have like experienced though is that like so I have a cat. Yes. I have this gray and black tabby, but I have, it's been a while, but like I used to, out of the corner of my eye, feel like I would see like a gray cat, like a mm. solid gray oh, yeah. cat. And not I was like, your That's cat. not Lila, you know? And so I would like, and I would always like, I would look and like, there's nothing there. Right. right? Yeah. And, but that was when my brother lived up here, that's the kind of cat he had. Wow. So I think like, maybe, I don't know what that cat's name was, mm-hmm. but like some it- cats just hanging around. Yeah, just oh, sort of imprinted. Speaking of cats, I feel like cats are really coming up here. I know. My old cat, Nico. You remember Nico? I do remember yeah, Nico. Nico. She was a sweet cat. She was a sweetie. Um, she kind of ended up being a bit of a spaz there towards the end. Well, uh, but that's okay. Who doesn't? Who do- yeah. <laughs> the best. It's the- happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. um, she, I remember this one time she was in my room. Well, she hung out in my room sometimes, you know, and... I was like, it was nighttime. I was going to bed. Like the lights were off. And then like all of a sudden I hear her like growling and hissing yes. up a storm. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell? And like she wasn't a growler or a hisser. Yeah. So I was like, what is going on? And so like I turn on the light and she is like at my door looking in like the corner above my no. bed, growling and hissing. And then I felt like I felt like I was in a horror movie. I like did the like the turn like oh yeah. god what's going on and <laughs> nothing no, there was nothing right yeah. and there was nothing and you know like animals do that yeah and I was like I don't see anything there and like yeah sure like I guess I, I do to at least a certain extent believe that like animals can see things we can't I do worry about that with animals sometimes when they because sure. they'll often just bark at nothing sure the dogs, yeah. you know whatever again something Echo, they can see Echo has lost most of her sight and her hearing but she loves to and her teeth and her teeth She's got very little in life, but <laughs> she has scritches on her ears and dinner every night. Yeah, so that's what, what more she does gets. she need? Yes. <laughs> um, but no, she loves to run out like when it's dark out and go right into the middle of the backyard and just start barking. And clearly there is nothing there. There's nothing there. But when I'm home alone, yeah. what if there is something if, there? Because yes, yes. <laughs> I am easily scared. Right. Yeah. And there's a, we have a little light that goes on that's like a motion detector oh, sure. light yeah. in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. And the number of times that it just goes on, yeah, and there's nothing fucking there yeah. because probably there was something there, and it was like a squirrel or whatever, or like a raccoon, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. But I'm just like motherfucking ghost in this motherfucking backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't do ghost stuff movies because my imagination gets away yeah, with me. It really is a a way to yeah have your imagination just go absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. so. This has been <laughs> Deep Thoughts, Shallow Plots. Right. Uh, join us for our November episode. We are Ooh. 
going to get into uh, a, a movie that Katie and I both feel very passionately about, which is The Purge. Yes. The original 2013 film. Which is uh, not the best of the series, but we got to start at the beginning. We're going to start at the beginning. Right. So look forward to a very yeah. special episode yes. for, for November. Follow us on Instagram as always. Oh, yeah. At Deep Thought Cello Plots, all spelled out. Thanks to Sound Guy Matt. And until next time, don't forget, once it has you, it won't let you go.